friends, we hope you enjoy this sermon from St. Jude Oak Cliff. And if nobody has told you today that they love you, we do. But more importantly, God does. All right, now we're going to come to our, um, our message, I think, right? Beautiful participation. And uh, this is the typical Mart title, 18 Inches in Reverse is Freedom. So I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. Okay, I'll like, oh, what is that about? It's freedom. And this week we're looking at John chapter 14, verses 1 to 20. In particular, um, we're going to park really on just one verse. John 14, 1 to 20, and we're going to park at verse 20. This is the reading of the Holy Scripture. Jesus says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe because of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask for anything, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father... And he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I'm coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. You will also live. And on that day, you will know me that I am in my Father and you and me, and I and you. I just want to read that. As Jesus talks about when he sends the Holy Spirit, he says the Holy Spirit will teach us these three things. On that day, when Jesus sends the Holy Spirit, you'll know that I am in my Father, and that you are in me, and that I am in you. All right, let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts and intentions of all of our hearts and minds together be pleasing to you, our Lord and Redeemer. Amen. Every once in a while, um, oh, Brooks and Ashley pull out their Volkswagen bus. Have you guys ever seen their Volkswagen bus? It's pretty awesome. And they bring their delightful pig and at least three of their 27 dogs with them. But... The real showstopper is the Volkswagen van. And, I, you know, I love Volkswagen vans because they've got the two uh, 
seats in the front and then the bench in the middle and the bench in the back. And I've talked to this before. Like, what if the Holy Trinity came to the Igos and said, can we borrow your van? I'm sure they say yes. And if the Holy Trinity came to borrow the Igos van and, and the Father's driving and Jesus is in the middle and the Holy Spirit's in the back and he pulls up in front of your apartment or your house and says, hop in, who are you going to sit next to? I've said this so many times, but I, the reason I'm, I'm harping on this is because, well, we tend to sit in the middle with Jesus. And some might choose the Holy Spirit in the back because he's probably playing a guitar or, you know, or doing some sort of artwork. Um, but the, that cabin seat next to the Father tends to stay empty because we think the Father is very different than the Son and the Holy Spirit we're still trying to figure out. And that's a problem. That's a problem in our imagination. It's a problem in our hearts. And it's not what the Bible teaches. It's not what Jesus teaches. It's not what St. Paul teaches. Jesus says, if you've seen him, you've seen the fullness of the Father. And we know that in our gut, but it's not here. So it has to go 18 inches in reverse. Everybody in their gut knows that God is a good person. But something happened along the way, either in a presentation of the gospel or an imagination or how we heard about Jesus, that we think the Father is so different than the Son. And we know in our gut that that's, that's the 18 inches in reverse I'm talking about. That we need to do this. So I'm going to ask you all to do something for me. Um, this is not really learned by just getting a good theological lesson. This is kind of learned through just worship and practice and prayer. So Jesus says that he is with us and in us, and that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So I'm going to open with a prayer, and I encourage you to pray this with me. I'm going to pray, Lord Jesus, are you with me and in me right now? And I encourage you all to do the same thing. And we're just going to pause for a second. So let's, I'm going to pray it. Lord Jesus, are you with me and in me and with us and in us right now? All right, what do you guys feel? I know I'm getting a little Santa Fe on you, but how do you feel? And you think, oh, Mark, that's so mystical. No, it's just very practical, actually. It's called prayer. That's how we pray to God. That's very, that's very Jewish, actually. It's what Moses did. That's how he used to pray. It's very old. Like, are you with me? Did you sense that he's with you? Okay, good. Okay, here's the second prayer. Lord Jesus, did you bring the Father and the Holy Spirit with you? I encourage you to pray that right now. Lord Jesus, did you bring the Father and the Holy Spirit with you? What did he say? Yeah. Yeah, he did. This is, this is the 18 inches in reverse. Now, if you don't think this is a big deal, it is a big deal. And you think, gosh, Mark, you're harping this all the time. This is called dualism. Um, we're going through a series right now, and uh, our, our, our beloved friend who sees now God face-to-face, Tim Keller, talked about seven things in the church that are going to trip it up if we don't address them. And one of those things that's going to trip up the church is a, a dualist view of God. Now, what's dual is like two. So, this is the dualist view of God. That God the Father is mostly like Jesus until he's not. The Father's mostly Christ-like, but there's a time when he's not. 
That's dualism. Uh, the Father is very Christ-like because the Father is fully revealed in the Son. But we think God the Father is mostly like Jesus until he's not. We don't really trust the Father as much as we trust Jesus. We'll sit next to Jesus on the Volkswagen van, not next to the Father. And if you think this doesn't happen, it happens all the time. It happens to me at times. It happens to my wife at times. Um, when our youngest daughter was born, my wife, I think many of you know, she suffered a pretty catastrophic stroke where she didn't know my name for a while. She couldn't walk for a while. We didn't know that she would recover. She suffered what's called an internal carotid arterial dissection, which means that half the blood to her brain was cut off. And when the doctors gave her medication to lower her blood pressure, it caused the stroke. And there's nothing we can do to undo it. All we could do is pray for a miracle, and it happened. That carotid artery just opened up, because there's no surgery to unplug that thing. There was an experimental surgery in Moscow at the time, but we weren't going to go to Moscow. We just prayed it would open up, and it did. So you think, well, how did this dualist idea of God come into our life? We knew that Jesus was with us, but we together had a hard time praying the Lord's Prayer. You want to know why? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If it's your will, Lord, that my wife has this stroke, I'm not sure what you got next. So Jesus, we trust you. We trust your will, but you want us to pray to our Father. Because in our heads, we did a split. Do you guys see it now? And we thought they were different. Now, we pray that prayer now. But it's because, practically speaking, we didn't have this knowledge in our gut up, up to our head. Well, what's interesting is that in John 14, Jesus says several times, I and the Father, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. And we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't really believe it. The fullness of, of the Father is revealed in the Son. And still, his apostles are like, uh, okay. No, it's a big deal. We've got to believe it. And so what Jesus actually does in John 14, it's almost like an episode, I know this sounds sacrilegious, it's almost like an episode of The Office. By the way, I love The Office. I know some of you think that's so weird, and, but it's, it's, how can you not love The Office? It's so embarrassing. It's so just, it's just like 14-year-old boy all over it. I know, that's why I love it, probably. But what I like about The Office, it has a documentary style, and then what happens, every once in a while, they turn and they look to us, where instead of it being a documentary, they actually invite the audience in. You guys, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, the Gospel of John is kind of written that way. John is writing this documentary, and every once in a while he turns to the audience, the future audience, and says, oh, this is for you guys. This is one of those verses. Because what Jesus is doing, he's talking to his apostles, Philip and Thomas, and Philip didn't know the way, and Jesus said, I'm the way. And, and Thomas said, I, uh, show us the Father, and Jesus says, uh, he's right, right here. The fullness of the Father is revealed in me. Not the partialness, not a third of the Father. 100% of the Father. That we are one in being with the Father. We just recited that in the Nicene Creed. It was a big deal to the early church. That one in being was argued and fought over. That said, that's the most important part of the creed. 
that Jesus is one in being with the Father, united to the Father, just like the Father. Well, Jesus says, I love you guys, and I'm going to do a work for you as I die and destroy sin and death on the cross. And after I do that, I'm going to send the advocate to you, the Holy Spirit. And he's going to live inside you guys. And that happened on Pentecost, right? But it also happened before Pentecost. Later on in the Gospel of John, even in the upper room, Jesus breathed on them the Holy Spirit. They got like a double dose. And the Holy Spirit's going to teach them three things. And he's going to teach us. Now, the reason I say us is that Pentecost is not just a day. Pentecost is the 50th day after Passover, 49 plus 1. So penta means like five. And our, our Jewish friends, they actually celebrate Shavuot, uh, which is their, their Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks, First Fruits. And that's, this is a fulfillment of that, that the First Fruits is God living in us through the Holy Spirit. So we don't just celebrate Pentecost as a day. We celebrate Pentecost as an age because it's still going on. It's going on right now. So once the Holy Spirit comes, it's going on. And Jesus says the Holy Spirit's got a job. He's going to teach you all three things. On that day, the day of Pentecost, you will know that I'm in my Father. So what's the Holy Spirit teaching us? Who's in the Father? Jesus. The Holy Spirit has a job to teach all those who follow Jesus. He's working on us, on our hearts right now. You'll know that I'm in my Father and that you're in me and that I'm in you. The Holy Spirit's supposed to be, it's like the office episode, like that's what the Holy Spirit's doing. And he's doing that, and we know that in our gut, but something happened with all of us, and I don't care what, you can be raised Protestant, Pentecostal, Catholic. Um, Protestant just means everything but Catholic, if you guys know that, right? And Orthodox. So it could be Baptist, Independent, Bible. All of us somehow got this idea that the Father and Son are very different. And I'll talk about that in a second. But Jesus says, the Holy Spirit's job is to let you all know that I'm in my Father, and I've always been in my Father. You know, we didn't know that, that God was like Jesus, but now we do. And we can't unlearn that. But we unlearn it all the time. Because we think the Father is, loves us, but we just trust Jesus more. We've got to get rid of that dualism. So where does it come from? Well, I think it comes from asking a very simple question. The reason that Mary and I had a hard time saying, Lord, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is that we don't think that God necessarily has a presence of co-suffering love when we suffer. We don't see God as co-suffering love in times of sorrow. Because we're taught that when Jesus was suffering, the Father wasn't there. Have you all ever heard a story like that? Where was God when Jesus died on the cross? Well, let's ask Jesus that question. I'm going to read you from John chapter 16. I want you to hear Jesus. Now remember, this is not just the scripture. This is God talking about God. John 16, the last verse. The hour is coming, Jesus says, and indeed it has come when you will be scattered, each one to his own home, 
and you will leave me alone. What is the hour he's talking about? The cross. And who's going to be scattered? All the apostles. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I've said this to you so that in me you may have peace. But in the world you face persecution. But take courage. I've conquered the world. I'm telling you the Father's with me so that you guys will have peace. On the cross, where was the Father? Well, let's see what St. Paul says. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. All this is from God, St. Paul says, who reconciled himself to us through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So where was God when Jesus was reconciling the world to himself? God was in Christ. Huh. Where was God located? He was with them the whole time. But that's not, what we, that's not what we're told. We're told, basically, that Jesus saves us from the Father. So that when he suffered, the Father was nowhere near him. So if that's how he treats his kid, his only begotten kid, what about his adopted kids? How's he going to treat us when we suffer? Well, he's going to do the same thing, maybe. You don't think this has practical implications? Oh my gosh, you know, I, I know that God uses foolishness in preaching. God knows that I've said in NICA, we've talked about this, like, sometimes you come after, afterwards and you give us a great summary of something we never said, but it was beautiful, and if you heard that, we thank God. And a lot of preachers and priests and evangelists say this exact thing, that God the Father abandoned the Son, turned His back on the Son when He died. This is the exact opposite of what the gospel is. But for some reason, for a lot of us, we had an encounter with Jesus through that kind of weird way of thinking. That's how, that's how gracious God is. It's like God's saying, oh, that's pretty good. They'll get into the family that way, but that's not sustainable because that's not what happened. God didn't save us from the Father. Jesus reveals to us that God is our Savior. Father and Son and Holy Spirit. That's the good news of the gospel. Jesus said this even, I want you to know this, so you'll have peace in me. This dualism is a real problem. And here's where there's a practical implication of it also. I think for maybe 400 years, this was okay. It's not working anymore. And it's not, it wasn't even okay then. The early church would look at us and say, are you guys even Christian? How can you think that the Father and Son are so different? They're together on this. Where was the Father when Jesus died? He was in Christ, reconciling the world. And, well, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I know that. That's from Psalm 22. Read the whole psalm. In that psalm, the psalmist says, the Father never left him. He never left the suffering servant. It's just the first line of the psalm. Read the whole thing. But we've constructed a whole theology of reconciliation about a father who he sends his son, and when his son does the very thing that the father asked him to do, we think he turned his back. Oh, no, he didn't turn his back. He was with him. 
the entire time. Matthew 1.21, you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sin, not from their father. Not even close. So I, for one, think this is a big deal. Because I deal with people that can't trust the Father. And I tell them that he's good. And they tell me I don't think so. Because they were told this as a young person, as an adult. And they can't get it out of their mind. It's stuck. It's stuck there. So that whenever you suffer, you think, well, maybe this is God's payback. We never think of God's presence as co-suffering love. You know, um, it's been a very difficult spring for people that, um, for some friends of ours, and you were, many of you were even closer than I, with, with Chad's family up in Nashville, and Brooks and John know Chad better than many of us. This is the story of that, that, that school shooting up there in Nashville. We know that pastor well. And those tears that we experience, the rage that we experience, has it ever occurred to us that instead of these tears and rage that we're experiencing of trying to convince God to be merciful actually come from God? I think those tears come from God. Those are God's tears expressed through us because His presence is always co-suffering love. On the cross, we have life-giving grace. Remarkable. Unlimited forgiveness and co-suffering love. No dualist God. The Father is in the Son, and the Son's in the Father, and they love us. From all eternity, God has always been like Jesus. And how do we get that? It just has to go from here to here. Because people are walking away from the church because it's right here. And they don't want to navigate with the dysfunctional Holy Trinity as an eternal home. of The Father and Son working their stuff out between one another. They tell me that. They're on to something. There's a lot of nuns and duns. And I don't mean N-U-N. There's a lot of no going to church people or done with church people. Because, well, they'll only take the middle seat. But we say that they've got to sit in all three. And um, I think it's very important. It's important to Jesus. And if it's important to Jesus, I think it's important to us. Because you know what's really good news? Here's what you need to understand. It's the Father's love that brought Jesus to you. He really loves and likes you. And he wants to be with you. And he's just like his son. And we don't treat him that way. God the Father is so humble. He's such a humble papa. You know how I know that? That we, we speak ill of him and he still says, ah, it's, uh, you're working on it. It's okay. I'll be very patient with you. And he is. But we shouldn't abuse that with bad theology. The gospel is precisely good news because it's the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit who save us, who all love us. They're saving us from our sin, not from an internal debate. So where was God 
when Jesus was on the cross, he was with him. As he was experiencing the worst of death and sin and hell and all that stuff, because he wants to go where we go. Your worst hell, Jesus says, I've been there. The Father says, I've been there. And I'm going to deal with it. And I'm going to suck it out of you and put it onto me. And I'm going to make you my kid. And I'm not going to leave you. Oh, that junk you're doing, you think that's a surprise to me? Been there, done that. I'm with you. I got you. I got you. We got you. We love you. This dualism is a problem. Our, our friend Tim Keller is right on that. But I'm so grateful that on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit has a job to do. And on that day, you will know that I am in my Father. The Holy Spirit's been working that in our gut from the time we're just little pups. And it's there in all of us. It just has to go up to here. So this is what I do. I sometimes pray that prayer. Jesus, are you in me? And I wait. Yeah, and kind of like what Larry said, I hear like, duh. You know, I'm with you. And then I say, did you bring the Father and Spirit with you? Yes. How much? All of him. Here's how I know that you and I have a problem. If you don't think God's presence is co-suffering love, there's something going on about your Trinitarian theology. Because you think the Father's out to get you. And don't separate them. Don't separate them. I, I remember when our, our children were younger, um, they got to be quite clever. Um, we had to hide um, Honey Nut Cheerios and Lucky Charms. We'd leave Wheaties out and Life Cereal. They didn't know Life Cereal actually had a lot of sugar in it. They thought it had no sugar in it. They would have had, but they thought it was just, but Honey Nut Cheerios and Lucky Charms, oh, you know, that has plenty of sugar. We would hide those cereals. And um, they could only have one bowl. This is, I know, this is a, it was a benevolent dictatorship of mom and dad. They could have one bowl of Honey Nut Cheerios and like nine bowls of Wheaties with actually unlimited sugar. And they still wouldn't, they, they never put the amount of sugar I would have put on it, but, uh, but they still tried to have two bowls of Honey Nut Cheerios. But every once in a while, they would, uh, they would say, um, hey, Dad, can I have another bowl of Honey Nut Cheerios? Even though Mom and Dad had the same rule. And they kept doing this. And finally, we realized, How do, honey, we've got to find a way where they don't try to separate us. And so this is what we devised. We said, the next time one of them comes and says, can I have another bowl of Lucky Charms? We're going to say, oh, what? Mom and I made an agreement. Do you want us to get in a fight? Do you want us to get in a fight over that? Real? Why do you guys want us to fight? We love each other. We don't want to get in a fight. Over, don't try to separate us, you guys. Oh, we didn't mean to do that. Well, that's what you're doing. And it worked. So what's the point? Lord Jesus, I trust you, but uh, I'm not sure I trust your Father. And the Father and Son come to us and say, do you want us to get in a fight? We made an agreement. Our love is an everlasting love. Don't make us fight. We're your parents. We love you. There's nothing we withhold from you. Don't make us fight. 
And that's what I'm hearing from the Holy Spirit. Not to get all mystical, but I do. God doesn't want us to fight. But we've provoked a gospel where, where God the Father and God the Son are trying to work things out. And that's... Here's why, it's no, here's why it's a problem. One, we don't really know God. Because God's kind of like Jesus and kind of not like Jesus. But God is exactly like Jesus. So it affects our knowledge of God. And the other, it affects our sense of peace. Because Jesus we want to be with, but as long as uh, we're not sure we want to be with the Father. Because he's, he's different. And it affects our sense of assurance. But what if we found out the Father actually sent the Son out of love and really does love us? And loves his son. And his presence is always co-suffering love. Then why doesn't God fix stuff? That's a whole different issue. I don't know. I do know this. You're not just some sort of cog in some divine program and you just have to take it. He doesn't treat his kids that way. There's a lot of freedom in this world. A lot of weird stuff happens. And I'm sorry, it is. But he's not against you. And if you're weeping over something, has it ever occurred to you, those are the tears of the Father saying, I am not done with this world yet. You are crying my tears. You are groaning my groan. It's not over yet. I'm with you. It's not over yet. That's me and you. And that's the Father speaking. And we say, oh, it might be Jesus, but not the Father. Let's not let them. I think what we need to do is in our own hearts have this conversation. Do we want two members of the Holy Trinity arguing about a silly question that we're asking because we're trying to divide them and it just it'll stop our tracks a little bit so I want to begin and end the same way let's pray this prayer Lord Jesus are you in us oh he's there isn't he okay let's pray this Lord Jesus, did you bring the Father and the Holy Spirit with you? Amen.